Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Into the Studio. Today, we have a special surprise. Um, you have seen by the title that we are talking about the Umbrella Academy. Uh, and going into that, you will see why we have our guest here with us today. If you would please introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. My name is Rio Antone. I am so excited to be here. <laughs> and we Thank are you so excited much. to have you. <laughs> <laughs> and and Matt is below me. I don't think I gave you an opportunity to introduce yourself. <laughs> Hi, my name is Matt. Um, they them pronouns. Hello. <laughs> actually, actually, I regret that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. So I think we're just gonna jump right into it. Uh, the Umbrella Academy. Uh, as much as I love Gerard Way, there's a lot that needed to be fixed when this was brought to a visual adaptation, other than a comic. Um, and I still don't think they did a super good job i have a lot of critiques um so as much as i left him i didn't know that he wrote a full-on comic uh mm -hmm. i also didn't know that i got a netflix adapt adaptation until or decided to make me watch the whole thing with them <laughs> i mean yeah because like Gerard Way, emo, I was an emo kid, I read the entirety of the Umbrella Academy comics, um, and I, yeah, like, as much as the Netflix adaptation, like, I enjoyed watching, I also have something to touch upon. <laughs> I've seen, okay, so I was a little bit backwards, because I watched the Umbrella Academy um, on Netflix first, and then I found mm. out about the comics after, and when I found out that there were so many changes that they made on the series I felt like it was so many different things to me that was like bad and good so mm -hmm. I mean one to details yeah like I appreciate their attempt but I think they definitely needed to put more legwork in before they made that attempt <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah um like specifically how like you know, in the comics, it's like all the kids um, and the cast was all white. Um, and then, like, it is good that they brought a little more diversity into the series for when it was a visual adaptation. But, I mean, we're going to dive into this where, like, the only Black lead gets, like, thrown into civil rights activism and it feels mm -hmm. very performative <laughs> i feel like they change so much that it becomes disingenuous to the original uh comic like worse than i can't think of a movie right now but it just doesn't, it doesn't feel really right the way they changed it either um i do know so like you said an all white all white cast in that in the comics, um, and then the Vicopot characters ended up just being pushed off to the side in the Netflix adaptation. So that's like Mark One, and then the fact that there was like no queer slash really like weird like borderline queer leads like or main characters, which is another little tick on the box, I guess. Um, and you mentioned uh, how like the one black lead, which is Allison was suddenly thrust into a civil rights activist role in the middle of the 1960s. For context, the way the Umbrella Academy works is like basically someone, one of their, one of their guys ends the fucking world. Uh, they have to retcon that and they ended up in different, or did they end up in the same times, time frame? And then they, they uh, ended up. Oh, your mic, your mic in like the same or time. or your mic was just cut out <laughs> yeah the internet cut out for a real sec oh, uh hello okay they they ended up like in the same time like i think like the same within 10 years but mm -hmm. it's like different different years i gotcha um are we talking about the beginning we're we talking about when they went back in time the 60s yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. which is where uh, i think the critique i read was someone was like there was because obviously there wasn't any like a black woman in the main cast but when they did the netflix adaptation like i guess up to that point there was like no mention of how like race was affecting these people mm -hmm. in their lives and then 
they decide to randomly rocket Allison back into the 1960s and she gets married and becomes like a civil rights activist and like full on partakes in um, a riot Mm -hmm. like for like racial justice. And I'm just like, that's a very like, it was sure. Yeah, sure for the realism, but that's very strange to suddenly switch to that like narrative. Like, mm -hmm. I, you know what? I honestly think that when that started, I feel like it was because I think it was somewhere around the time of like uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm -hmm. And I just really feel like people are so big on trying to pander right now to Mm -hmm. the idea of the Black Lives Matter movement and showing that they like are woke and a part of the process. And I just think that that the idea of wanting to be woke actually causes you to look more fake because like, you are not doing it from a place that seems like it's genuine. And I do think that it's weird that they took the only Black character in the show and thrust it, uh, her into that role. Um, if they was to do something like that, it would have been better if they would have did it with like more of the characters actually showing some kind of like multitude of involvement from the mm-hmm. current time period to present leading to like how, because um, they got a big old family melting pot of yeah. different companies and if they all was in this kind of like situation in some format where other ones of the family was in that situation it would have showcased um a little bit more of uh, validity instead of just saying like oh we're recognizing that black people went through stuff that's what it was given it was yeah given. yeah one of the critics was yeah they sure we showcase that we care about black people mm. what the heck the way they also yeah. did that is like none of her family like provided her any support whatsoever and there was also some people it's like um I believe Lila is South Asian and Diego is literally Latina so or Latino Where, where's my notes yeah yeah Latino so it's just like the fact that there was multiple people of color added into the series and then they provided her no support while she was like literally it's given a permit yeah it the industry is very weird with that like just speaking as like a trans person of color in the industry like there's so many things where like when I get auditions and stuff like that or even when I'm on set like you can tell that I am the token trans brown character like (laughs) they get like a three in one with you which is frustrating Mm -hmm. Hate it. Mm-hmm. There's also, also by the way, with Allison and who's the guy who got sent to the moon? What's his name? Oh, uh, well, <laughs> Luther. Luther. Allison and Luther. Um, this this is gonna tie into like the the queer romance that we're seeing. But literally, Allison and Luther had more screen time with their weird incest, like ancestral incest, like like what was going on with that? Ooh, they also, I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> What was going on with that? There's, 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 I mean, at the very <laughs> least, Gerard Way has come out and said, uh, but yeah, that was a little weird. I don't know why I wrote that, like, whatever. But just speaking as an adopted person, like, I would not want to fall in love with any of my siblings. Like, that's... <laughs> the way they also, like, villainized her near the end, and, like, she, like, almost forced Luther to sleep with her, like, because she went on a full fucking, like, personality switch villainized like for yeah. why now listen i'm not gonna lie i mm. did enjoy how they made alice in a third one because i felt like she was almost a little bit too kept or too boring the first mm. two episodes, mm-hmm. and they kind of like expounded on her storyline and kind of like made her a little bit more like intense i like I, I, I did enjoy that part i'm not gonna mm-hmm. lie and I think that it was um, probably the way it was, the way that she carried the role is the reason why I liked it so much. It was mm-hmm. really. You know, I definitely think she was like perfect in that role. Like that was a very good, like, uh, I guess, sideline for the plot. But the way that I guess it transitioned from her being this like nicer character to suddenly like, I'm going to kill your son. And yeah. also like, like coerce luther like i feel like that was like way too quick like there was throughout the rest of the series you can kind of see people growing and changing at like literal character development hers was like so quick i think i agree i definitely feel like that to me was the difference because 
what when you see, especially if you like look at the first two seasons, like everybody else did have like this consistent flow of building a character to the point to where they was. Her character arc switched so quickly and so so tremendously because of I guess what happened on the last season. But it is to me the to me it was the best that she's done. But story wise, it was like the worst because the way that it happened, it was almost too unexpected. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree with that. And like, I feel like a lot of things in the third season felt really sped up. Like, for example, Victor's transition, like that felt way too quick, like just slid into it. And like, I was just like this one, this is kind of unrealistic. Like, I'm glad that he has like an acceptance and all that. Like, it's not like a trauma porn vibe. But, like, it, there needed to be more substance. It needed to be more, I like, relevant into, like, you're telling me that he finally found out who he was. Great, fantastic, transitioned, got the hair chop, and then it really doesn't affect him at all or anything else. <laughs> That's, again, where it's, like, they have all these, like, marginalized people coming forward in the cast, and Allison's the only one who deals with any of this shit. Uh-uh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, if you want realism give it to us I guess <laughs> yes. I agree and I also think that to me it's like the idea of you, and you can almost tell that it was like nobody of trans experience probably writing on this script because it was really the idea oh you know this is what it's supposed to look like we were just all just supposed to be like one big happy family you know uh, Victor comes out and everybody be like oh okay great Anyways, but that's not really the reality of it. And I do think that showing some levity would have been a little bit more realistic, even if it was like one or two kind of like being a little bit more like, you know, um, like not understanding it, not grasping it. And then maybe an episode or two in having a deep conversation about it that allows it to have more levity. And I think mm -hmm. that they did that. And it was, it was, it was like you said, like a hack job. It's like kind of rushed. And, yeah. Um, you go, you go. I, <laughs> the breath. Um, I feel like when it comes to Victor, like, I'm sure they probably consulted Elliot on some stuff, but like, uh, it's, it, it really genuinely, like, bothers me that they, they could have gone a direction where, yes, full of acceptance by, like, his family and all that, but like, there needs there needs to be more sustenance like maybe have a moment where he feels kind of like I don't know just like struggling a little bit with like being freshly new trans and out or like I don't know like just just something that gives it a little bit more than the surface layer I'm just like please like don't give me the crumbs of trans rep just give me the whole damn meal <laughs> exactly. I, I really really feel yeah, I really, really feel like it was, like, done for the sake of Elliot and not for the sake of plot. Yeah. Like, I know a lot of trans people, like, as an actor, like, I'm not a big actor. I've done very little things. But, like, when if I when I'm an actor, I'm fully capable and able and willing to do, like, a pre-transition, pre post-transition thing. Like, most trans people are into that, especially with Elliot being so brand new to being trans. Like... I'm sure he wouldn't have minded doing that transition like on screen for the character for Victor because that would have added so much more like realness. I also feel like it was also a little confusing to people who may not even understand fully still not have that education of what trans is because the way that it looked on the show is that like he got a haircut and everything mm -hmm. else. Basically, yeah. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, can we cuss on here? Because I'm over cussing in you. I mean, yes, I'm we can cuss. cuss. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're good, you're good. Um, it, it does seem like whenever me or or make uh, a noise or talk, it seems like your audio is cutting out a little bit. Oh, is it cutting out? A little bit, yeah. How do I fix it? I do you have it. like earbuds you could put in that might help fix it if it's like an echoing issue? Um, I might have some. Let me go ahead and see. Okay. We we can also just work on muting when we aren't speaking, like mean or <laughs> if that helps. Well, all the sounds coming through to my headphones, not through my computer. I know, but when it comes through their computer, then it'll. Oh, uh, okay. Want to see? Do you do you want to see if we can do it that way? And then if it still doesn't work, I go and see if I can get some headphones real quick. Yeah, let's do yeah. that. 
Okay, so we'll just mute when we're speaking. <laughs> yep. Okay. Uh, where were we? <laughs> uh, I want to talk about Diego and Lila. I love them. They're problematic. My problematic uh, favorite characters. I fully love and appreciate how their relationship progressed throughout the show. That was like very, very realistic to their situation and how like one like she like tricked him to thinking that they had a kid, but she was just like, no, like I was running test running you because I am pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> I love them. I love how the relationship progressed. I loved how they both grew as characters through that and like in the series, but like <laughs> I like their character development too. Diego quickly became one of my favorite characters in the entire series. I think it was the personality for me. And um aside from that, I definitely think that the idea of the son coming in was a good play on the issues with the daddy, the daddy issues that all of them had, especially Diego with this like fierce independent, I'm trying to prove my point um, of fierceness and then being a dad, you can see in this season, he was like extremely soft and just more fun loving and goofy and Delilah, Delilah's her name, right? Delilah really brought that or, out. Or uh, Lila without the D, it's like L-I, yeah. Lila hold the dust. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, nah, that's all I can say. I just love them both. I love the characters. Um, I do want to say, uh, Lila does not get very good cards, though. <laughs> she goes through a lot. So it's like understandable the way she's acting the way she is and um, why she absolutely ran, like, test ran him. They both have very bad mommy daddy issues. Um, and I appreciate the kid that she brought in. It didn't seem. Because I've seen a lot of storylines do that where it seems almost manipulative on the woman's part, but it seemed very much so she was worried and the kid was just like fully like, yeah, I know what's happening. <laughs> yeah, that that's the thing is like there was depth, <laughs> like there was like under like you can understand where Lila was coming from. You can understand her trauma. You can understand Diego's trauma and it worked well together in the sense that like one it was entertaining to watch um but it was it it felt really authentic and their chemistry together worked really well I agree you know what can we just talk about the elephant in the room I am still like I don't remember anybody explaining like or having no closure about how the sun just like dissipated into air before they went into that room nobody spoke on that after that yeah hey no. It makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. I was like... What? Yeah, you vanished. <laughs> Nobody ever brought it back up. Nobody ever was like, yeah, we miss him. I don't know. It was like weird. I know that they found out that that wasn't his son. Spoiler for anybody who hasn't seen it. But... Oh, yeah. There's there's a big spoiler warning on every episode. Just plastered spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I don't know. I was just very much like a little taken aback by that part because I was like, we didn't grew to like this little boy. Mm-hmm. And and he just like dissipated into dust it was given very much avengers yeah the way they 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 brought him in his fucking like side plot where his like mom is like constantly out doing drugs like playing with bands hooking up with people in their apartment and like lilo's just babysitting him i would have loved 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 for them to go just adopted him and made him the older brother of whatever could have happened realistically i know that probably didn't work but the fact that he literally just never made an appearance afterwards knowing like us knowing that he has a horrible like home life that needs help and he was just like left alone yeah yeah i really hope that they kind of like fix that in the final season mm-hmm. <laughs> or something. i want him back <laughs> yeah um because yeah i very much felt like there was no closure there at all mm-hmm. uh speaking of no closure i want to speak about klaus <laughs> Yes. Um. So Ben, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it back to Klaus and Ben. So Ben is the uh, Ben is essentially dead in the series, and he is playing the part of Klaus's conscious the other time, the whole fucking time almost until we meet like alternative Ben, like new 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 Ben or whatever the fuck they're calling him. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny, but he's like like new 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 Ben because he keeps like coming out like character like fucking going through it as the world's ending yes um, but this is another example of because obviously the character that characters portrayed uh or the the character ben is um played by a korean american actor 
and for him to play somebody's conscious because he died the whole time was super frustrating to watch. Um, I do like him and Klaus's relationship, but it was very obvious that Ben didn't realize, as a character, didn't realize he could just fucking leave. He didn't have to be there. Is almost like Klaus kept bringing him in. Um, Klaus is a Klaus is a character himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, was in, initially never gay, never dated a man named Dave, never met in, in Vietnam with this guy. Um, from from what I understand, the Netflix. Then, like people who were writing the Netflix series were like, the show's not going to be diverse enough, so we have to change this. Yeah, I like on one hand, I appreciate them not just making it a cis hat white cast. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I appreciate them doing that. Yeah, trying. I, but I feel like again, this circles back to things that I say like pretty much every episode is there needs to be more queer writers in the room. Mm. Um, And I don't know, I don't know in particular if there was any queer writers in the room for Umbrella Academy, there could be, and I'm just not aware of it. They they have two separate like queer cast members, like as far as I'm aware. So Klaus is played by Robert, which is, um, I want to say gender queer. I don't, it's on my notes somewhere. Um, um, he's he I, he, pre- he presents in very gender neutral, very gender queer clothing, which is yeah. I've been I've been a fan of uh, Robert Shahan yes. since like childhood, <laughs> um, <laughs> especially with like uh, the Mortal Instruments and stuff. But um, I feel like it just it goes back to like surface level and like queer queer trauma porn because it's barrier gauge trope all fucking up- over. Mm-hmm. Klaus ends up like it, being super traumatized and turning to drugs because of it and all that which is understandable um but then like you're gonna kill off his boyfriend that he met in Vietnam when he had like blipped pack and like you're gonna you're you're really gonna make him go through more shit like that when it's not even canon in the comics in the first place like I want to know the thought process that happened behind that I know, like, Dave, um, we literally meet him for, like, it's, 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 I'm bringing this back to Allison because it has, like, a, a, a parallel. The way we got to know and love Raymond, which is Allison's husband, Dave mm-hmm. had, like, ten lines in the entire, like, two or three episodes we saw him in. He was still only used as an object of the plot and as a reason for Klaus to get sober. I agree. I definitely don't feel like there was a real um, depth to the relationship status of Klaus um, and Dave. Because when I was watching that season, it almost did seem like it was kind of like a quick situation going on. Um, And I feel like even though that was the whole plot for the whole season for for Klaus, it still felt very kind of like... I don't know, empty almost. And I think that when you look at any of the other character developments with their uh, with the person that they're with, you can see this like true in-depth like energy. Even on a third season with um is it Ben? No, not Ben, um, the big one with Luther. The, Luther and, mm-hmm. and uh the sister from the other gang. They like had even like a big buildup of how they were going to it just didn't seem equally yoked. And I felt like once again, it was just almost the idea of pandering to the to to fit it into the narrative, but not trying to make it a big part of the narrative. And it's unfair. Yeah. Um, oh, or you were like typing in the script right now. Hold on. I my bad. I I what tried you, to press space for the microphone. You, it was on the wrong screen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the so um, what I do appreciate about Klaus's character is. Uh, the actor, Robert, um, he was allowed to help shape the narrative and influence Klaus as a character to help him feel more organic. And I feel like Klaus himself was a very organic character, and it's probably due to the person who played him having a say in how he acted. Um, because Robert helped model Klaus's self-expression in the series, like the clothes he wears and stuff like that. Um, but I don't, I'm, I'm going to assume Robert didn't have any say in how, like, the gay romance went down. Uh, the problems we do have with that, though, is this adult between, this, this adult, like, consensual adult relationship between two men had, 
like a like not even a quarter of the screen time as Luther and Allison had, which is like you said like earlier, Gerardo was like, mm, that was kind of like strange. Don't know why I did that, but like Netflix, if you're gonna change something, do it better. <laughs> actually add some depth into it so that way we can actually truly get to to enjoy the new vibe that you're putting out um now robert sheehan when robert did this role i don't know if y'all ever seen misfits but it was literally yes (laughs) and i was like yes it's a vibe um i just think that robert has that that ability to kind of like play multiple levels of 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 people and even like I said I don't know if Robert is specifically queer I do know that Robert just has the essence of knowing how to portray all of the different levels of like the eccentricalities of like uh, a queer person that's just like enjoying their life it was just dope I like the vibe that Robert knows how to bring but I don't like that the storyline for Robert always seemed like it was second fiddle. Um, it was really just like Robert personality. Here, here's Robert being funny. Here's Robert, uh, you know, being the light of the witch, but not really having a storyline that truly like in depth gives volume. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's like it's the curse of being typecast. Like he, he typecast is like so many of like similar characters which is great because he like he, he can pull it off but it's like the writing needs to be more in depth <laughs> mm-hmm. so i did look up if robert was gay <laughs> um it looks like uh as he put it he engaged uh-huh. in healthy self-exploration so it's just one of those straight men who's incredibly comfortable in his sexuality who he is um, okay. It does look like he's had same-sex uh, relations in the past just to, I, I think it was like, just to see if there was like a tinge of being gay or bisexual and there wasn't. But um, from my experience, that's generally like, it was like, it makes sense because I know a lot of like straight men who are very comfortable in themselves. I'm just like, you could be gay. Like if I didn't know you, you were gay. Yes. <laughs> I, I appreciate people who are cishet that mm-hmm. actually take the time to think about and be like what if i could be queer and then turns out they're not and that's fine but like it's better than just being like oh yes this is the default like that's mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. which to me absolutely every human should actually be doing like i truly think that we should just like take out the idea of like oh this is just what it's always been you will never know until you experience it or at least uh put yourself um an available space to be open to experiencing it if it comes to you yeah but absolutely just oh chef's kiss um so as we how many minutes do we have left uh five minutes 35 seconds it's we can finish time. this we're almost at the end or we'll just start a new thing for like a separate recording for like the mini interview because that makes sense yeah okay so, like, of course, the writers for Netflix weren't obliged to put any of this in. They didn't need, like, a Black or other BIPOC uh, characters in the series. They didn't have to put queer or trans characters in the series, but they did. Um, while I appreciate their attempt, I don't think I have to be thankful for uh, l- subpar representation. Um, the way that I feel like a lot of these characters were written was tokenizing and um or or like it just felt unimportant when in reality they were sent back into a time where a majority of these things if not all these things would have gotten them seriously hurt and the only one who really faced consequences for who they were was allison which i felt was very unbalanced um uh, so my little line up here is like the comics were written in tw- 2007, but they had a lot of time from then until 2019 when the series was released on Netflix to do better. <laughs> and they didn't. I don't think so. <laughs> I, I think. Def- I'm sorry. Oh, go oh, no, ahead. go ahead. <laughs> oh, I definitely think that in my head. Um, exactly. I was just, just basically, honestly, like just piggybacking off what you're saying. I do think that to me them having a valiant effort of wanting to put in different characters and character arts uh, to model after what today looks like is dope. I think that 
it comes with a sense of responsibility though, because if you're going to do it, do it correctly, um, or face the judgment of like literally not being able to truly give what is necessary. Because other than that, it just looks like you said tokenization and looks like you're just trying to like check a box. And I think that in some of the parts, it was definitely given a checkbox energy because they did not know how to tell the story from a perspective that was true and altruistic, even though majority of social media is like low-key praising them for having this diverse format is weird, um, which kind of just goes to show how a lot of people, even though we're in this time period, still think that, oh, because they see your face, that you're, that they're doing great. No, it's the way you tell the story as well. So you need to tell it in a way that genuinely gives um, a breath to this character. One hundred percent. I feel like that's an issue with a lot of media that's being portrayed now. It's like it's very much so. We know of these things, but we don't know them. Um, we don't know about them. Um, I think I'm going to slide this into the little history lesson segment. Um, so with all of this in mind, I want to use this as an opportunity to try and educate some folks on the general lack of good representation in the media. Um, the general theme of our last few episodes have been, is this good or not? This, I think, is decidedly not super good representation. <laughs> I think we all in agreement with that. Um, I don't think we ever set like the parameters for that. Uh, personally, I and depending on the genre, I guess, I want to see I want to see representation that isn't tokenizing. I want the good, bad, and the ugly. Um, I want to be humanized for who I am and not to be constantly othered. And if the representation does that, we are Gucci. <laughs> um, if we're stuck with the same mess that we've been seeing, which is using someone's background, which is their queerness, their race, their ethnicity, the culture they're from, as a plot point and not just something that they are and deal with and experience in life, that is a problem. Um, in the Umbrella Academy, some of these things have really real-world implications and are often both a plot point and something that's so important in someone's life and just who they are. Uh, it, it's more than just a means to an end. Um, and I would like to see representation to start doing that so that we can get rich, full characters that we can actually associate with. Mm-hmm. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it always it always ties mm-hmm. back to get more queer queer writers in the room, get more BIPOC people writers in the room. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> there we go. Okay, thank you for that. <laughs> okay, so when you think of a non-white character, a non-like cis hat character, bring one of those to your mind. Bring like this collection of characters to your mind that fit the description. How many times? How how many like in your little brain? How often is the focus on them being different from white cishet norms used as a plot point, used as a, a means from one end to the next? Um, do you do white non-queer characters have the same focus on their whiteness or lack of perceived queerness? Generally not. Here's where your history comes in. Um, there's not a whole lot of history. A lot of queer history um, that portrays queer people, I-, I can only speak on queerness, obviously, but the, a lot of media that portrays queerness is via undertones, via um, like hidden doors, like secret codes. It's hidden in the media we watch, or it's overly played, laughed up to be a joke, um, which is something uh black people have been facing for a very long time i'm sure everyone knows the history of blackface and theater and movies and all that it's it's not the same thing but there is still like the putting on a costume of pretending like being gay which a lot of people do um in media uh the only thing i can think of is pre-world war ii no post post war world war one of them i'm assuming the second um there was a string of movies in germany that were when censors when censorship was lessened after the war there was a string of movies that portrayed queer characters in queer relationships that was like not censored which is 
I think all I found at the time I looked for it. Oh, so what I want to do right now is to kind of re-empower us because this was a little bit of a happy topic. Mm-hmm. Um, the most important thing that I think we can do now uh, is remember that an important part of history is what we're doing right now. So if you are marginalized, if it's your skin color, if it's your disability, if it's your queerness or transness, if it is something that makes you different from who the world is generally made for the most important thing you can do is to keep doing what you're doing um even when things get tough the only surviving remains are us as people um and as we keep going we're the ones that keep our story going until we take over the world with the whole thing and it's just for us <laughs> but oh what are you doing yes oh, you are, or you're deleting <laughs> stuff hold on you're deleting oh stuff. no so, so, um, Matt, what are some of the things that you're doing to write your history? That's what I want to know. To write my history? Yes. Um, Give me your history lesson. <laughs> I mean, aside from, like, you know, going to, into acting, um, because, like, I do want to see more non-binary brown representation, mm. and I'm just like, fuck it, I'm going to be the non-binary brown representation. <laughs> um so like at least future generations will have that and also i can see myself on the screen um but also just like loudly existing in all areas of life like even with things like skateboarding which is like very white cis het male dominated like to exist loudly as like a brown queer person who's like just skating like learning things and like not not following societal norms i guess um I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of vibing as myself, um, and I refuse to water myself down for anything. Um, I'm tired of that. I'm tired of like, I'm I'm currently in a process of like undoing all like the internalized racism that was put on me from being like adopted into a white family and like living in a very white dominated town. Um, so, just hammering away at the trauma, and then, you know. If and no one accepts me for being me, I'm just like, okay, bye. Like, I don't need you in my life. Peace. <laughs> Period. We love that. I think also, um, also, wait, hold on. Pause. Can you like undo what you deleted? I don't know. What, I don't know what you. Yeah, undid. yeah, I got you. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I was like, you like took away half of it. So. Um, I think it's also important to note the podcast that we're doing right now is also a, a, a small snippet, a moment in history for the three of us, um, or because it is our podcast, I guess it is our legacy to some degree. Um, and thank you, Rio, for being a part of our legacy right now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, love, 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 love. Um, I'm, I'm, for my history, I'm really like preparing for my future. I'm, I'm 21. I turn 22 soon. I'm like, setting my foundations because i'm not gonna shut the fuck up <laughs> what'd you say i'm feeling 22 <laughs> yeah <laughs> my i'm starting my legacy all over right um so i'm turning the question to you rio uh how do you feel you're making history right now i feel like um first of all Y'all are super duper dope. Let me just put that out there first. I just think that is so amazing. And the sentiments that y'all say is exactly facts. So to be quite honest with you, I just feel like being myself has been revolutionary for me and I guess whomever else it rubs off one to. Um, it was really big to me. I'm, I'm going to be 28 this year in November. And um, I've had a very like long weird journey um since my childhood um growing up in Flint Michigan in the hood so like literally like I've had a weird experience about who I am so literally it became my mission as I got older into my uh adult years to literally be the voice that I know I wanted to have for myself when I was a kid um coming from somebody who tried to commit suicide a couple of different times when I was younger this is like literally my retribution to self which is like becoming like in my head uh a queer like superhero <laughs> I wanted to be in my head I always want to be a superhero 
I'm obsessed with them. I love that um, so much. I'm going to, I'm going to, when we get off, I'm going to draw you a little superhero. <laughs> That's so cute. Yes. Period. That would be dope. So like literally, um, I have always wanted to be a superhero and I felt like I didn't understand what that connection was, but the connection is very clear now. It is the idea of what a superhero means. The idea of being brave enough to be um, all parts of yourself for the justice of the greater good, right? And I think that sometimes in the sport that we live in, the idea of what is good can be tainted by people's uh, beliefs, which can be uh, structured very like terribly, to be quite honest with you, it can be structured very like closed-minded and very hurtful to other people. And I feel like my job in this earth was to literally change that narrative every single day whether it be through physical presence, emotional presence, through verbiage, or even just through the way of, uh, even if I have to be somebody yes, like any any type of way I need to come up in this joint, I'm gonna come in. And um, it just has been a beautiful ride. I, I can't even, I can't even count how many times I have to pinch myself for some of the things that has happened because it was all very much unexpected. It was just the idea that um, I'm, putting my voice out here on a platform, I'm being myself, um, things that I used to get bullied for and things that I tried to kill myself for is now being celebrated. Um, and I'm just thankful that um, the courage was given to me to kind of just still project myself out there, even though I know that I had every reason not to and I was really thinking about those things. And I just want to put out there that um, um one of the most beautiful things that has happened to me, well, I would say two of the most beautiful things that happened to me was that I was given the uh, Trans Visibility of the Year Award last year. It was super duper dope. Um, I had no clue that that was going to happen. I, um, you, and what, it just kind of tailors into you just never know who's watching you. Just be you and doing you and putting yourself out there um, and creating my brand, which is Ladyboy Diaries, Inc. The brand was created specifically for people who identified on the queer spectrum, um, especially tailored to trans and non-binary individuals because our voices inside of media is not big and relevant as it should be. And I wanted to create space for that to happen. Um, so not only just propelling my voice, but I want to propel the voices of any individual that identified like that on the spectrum to be able to showcase that we are talented, we are educated, and we're not just surviving, we're thriving. And I want people to be able to come um, to our pages or our social media sites or our platforms and find a place of peace and a place of joy and contentment and saying, oh my gosh, like there is people out here that look like me and they're not hiding or storing away. They are glowing and growing every single fucking day. And that's the goal for me um, in this lifetime. And I cannot see myself stopping anytime soon and I'm just excited to see what comes next because almost every day is like a new adventure awaits. That is gorgeous. I know some things you said gave me chills. So like, <laughs> it was so yeah, good. same. <laughs> it was it, that. That's such a, a strong message, and I'm so glad. Um, I'm so glad that you're here. <laughs> um, about the trans visibility word of the year, I saw that. Um. And oh my fucking god, <laughs> that's that's amazing. I know the message you said where it's you want to be like the person essential that you didn't that you you needed as a kid or you wanted to be as a kid or you you wanted to see or have that voice. And I think that's a sentiment a lot of people share. Um, that's currently what my mission is too. At this moment, I'm trying to be the person that I can be proud of that younger me could have been proud of, and to forgive younger me for my actions. And to no. allow that space for healing and to come into who I'm supposed to be, um, which I feel is like a sentiment that's also kind of shared. Um, but speaking of awards, uh, Grand Spirit of the Lion Award for your leadership and dedication makes Las Vegas pride, uh, a trans pride specifically. You were even on your fucking local news for your, the first annual pride panel like that they had, which is, I think, okay local news i because i you 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 said flint michigan i'm that's where it was right no las vegas nevada oh las vegas las vegas oh yeah because it was right in our lips. sorry my notes are like mixing me up 
<laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I wrote the note. It's just my fault. I can't read my own um thing. Um, <laughs> but anytime I think about local news, I'm always just like imagining like like my grandparents watching the news and like I just show up and I'm just like, hey guys, I'm not on local <laughs> news, but I think it's so fucking funny because like everyone, the only people who watch the local news are people who know you're gonna be on it, or old people sitting there watching their fucking morning news. And I think it's just so funny. Yes. Because you're making them look at you. <laughs> It's uh, definitely. Oh, I'm sorry. Keep going. No, no, no. You go. You go. You go. It's definitely been um uh wild. I think that to me um so when I was on the news um it was it was um I got a call actually because I so last year it was a Trans Day of Visibility and they were looking for uh people to educate on the idea of non-binary to put it on the news to be able to have people understand exactly what the levels of that is and how to find resources in the community to furthermore educate and also be an advocate. And I was like, oh, dope. Yeah, I would definitely love to do it. So fast forwarding, I'm, I guess I made like an impression. I got a call again amongst a few other people who are really doing amazing things inside the community and was like, we would like for you to be a part of this speaker panel and present and, um, and um, post. And it was super amazing because you're literally training future leaders um, and leaders who are currently like inside of the influencer spectrum on how to navigate. And it, was, it went so well that it will be a continuous thing now. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I thought that that was super duper dope. But um, aside from that, yes. Okay, so MGM, when I got the uh, MGM, and I know it was a little confusing, when I got the MGM award, it was in 2017. And um, it was the first time that I had, it was my first year living here in Vegas. And it was the first time that I had experienced being um I guess myself, and I was still trying to find parts of myself. Um, but one thing that I have always carried with me, even while still trying to figure out me, was that you need to just try to give your best, whatever that looks like. Now, I had no clue, once again, if my best was was going to be something somebody wanted to see or not. It was what I wanted to see and what I wanted to do. And I just find that it was such a blessing that people were watching so it was something I was voted by the heads of MGM the talent of the head of talent and development of MGM and a couple other people and my peers had kind of voted me for that and it was dope it was to me one of the most crowning uh, moments in the mixed trans pride too like literally being able to say that that we have a crown specifically designed for the non-binary experience and to say that um, we can be crowned royalty too and be and be just as beautiful and show up and show and show out and be ourselves. It was really important for me to um, to do that. And I so when I got the crown, I got it um, online. Well, I had to do a competition via Zoom. So it was the first time they have ever done anything. Uh, not via Zoom, but via uh, the internet. We had to do an internet competition because it was in the midst of COVID. So literally to be amidst something that was obviously like so crazy or going through like the trenches of life because everybody was like still just trying to figure stuff out. It was towards the end of the year of 2020. Um, and I was able to be a part of this competition with so many dope people. I kid you not. Um, it was kind of, it was kind of wild to me um, because after we kind of like showcased our talents, we have to also explain what it meant to us to be a part of the non-binary trans experience. And for me, I was just kind of just like putting it all out there on the line. And uh, it was a voting process. Now I have like voting phobia, okay? Like I just don't like to be that person where I'd be like, hey, like vote for me. And then like, you know, just, I don't know. I just don't like to put myself in those those situations, which is why I had never done it before but the turnout of people you just never know who is supporting you and supportive of you until you put yourself out there in a way that allows people to physically see you um now it does not negate the fact that i have had hate comments and um i've had death threats and i've had people on an everyday basis usually try to come for me um but the amount of love i've received outweighs any heckler that has ever came in my path 
And um, I would not change anything about me for a split second. I am um, living out loud and I'm living bright. And uh, it's only up from here, per. So, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yes. I, I think I think a sentiment you shared, because I was watching your TikTok before this. <laughs> um, <laughs> like your most recent TikTok, you said something like you're taking your power back from those who didn't deserve it. And I feel like that's very much so you put yourself out on the line um, I feel like that follows the same thing because you, know, you said you had voting phobia. but you were afraid to put yourself out for it's like being voted in for something. I know that can have a lot uh, that can have a lot of like detrimental side effects to your your self-worth if you aren't voted high enough or something like that because people are like literally voting you number one non-binary. <laughs> um, but the 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 sentiment you had shared was literally taking your power back from those who didn't deserve it. And that's 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 the phrase that I um I've wrapped into my own spiritual practice specifically where it's my energy, the things I'm putting out to the world, the things I'm, I'm fishing for. If I'm fishing into a pond with nasty comments in it, I'm only going to bring bad vibes back to me. So when you oh. put your, when you put yourself out for success, you're going to keep reeling in success. Well, it's, 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 um, I'm really glad we share that same sentiment because I know, uh, especially with a lot of queer people or a lot of other marginalized identities, when they, when they're gaining more public light, like you said, you're going to get death threats. You're going to get like people trying to dox you and stuff like that, where it's like all these awful people are going to keep coming for you. But if you keep giving them your energy, they're going to keep responding to your comments because you're giving them attention. You're going to give them a, give them out your energy. Yeah. And I feel like that's God. always oh yeah or you want to share that <laughs> i so when i was a kid like i did a lot of like trans youtube uh stuff and i got posted to 4chan and i got doxxed and i got hate mail like physical mail sent to my address with like death threats and stuff um and then i just i continued i've continued and i still kind of do get like death threats in my dms because they're like like calling me the teasler and like all this other gross stuff and so i i i feel like i was forced to learn really quickly like just give your energy to your supporters like you don't have to fight everyone in your comment section you don't have to prove anything you can just vibe be with who actually uplifts you and just yeah I absolutely agree with that. I think that that to me, and y'all are so right. The energy you put out is what you receive. And I think that um, the only thing that I want to have uh, returning back to me is positive vibes. So like my goal has always been to overshadow the negativity with the positivity. And I think that um, it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me because when um I did create TikTok and the first uh, one, of, one of the first posts that I did go um, and get a lot of attraction and I got these comments. That was one of my first times getting it on such a high velocity level that for the first day I was like, oh my gosh, I was like, let me not get on this motherfucking app. And, but then I got back on it and I started to see people were in my inbox and was on the comments. It was like, you've helped me um, uh come out to my family or you've helped me understand my grandchild blah, blah blah stuff like that let me know that the mission is so much bigger than what it is but it would have been easy to build content around me just clap back and now don't get me twisted I will clap back every now and then because I feel like a good clap back kind of sets the tone for letting people know I ain't the one period per but at the same time I developed my content strictly around the energy of joy and enlightenment and empowerment because the reality of it is is that um we need that we already know what it feels like to be diminished to feel sad to feel upset and pissed off to feel like we need to fight i want people to know what it feels like to be empowered to know that fuck these hoes <laughs> and live your damn life shit and I feel like that's the vibe and that's the vibe that I want to continuously put out. But I like to be real about it too. Um, so when I have my moments of sadness or or um, just recanting or wanting to kind of like, you know, just kind of be more uh, recluse, I'll be honest about that too. Because the reality is we are human. So I just think that um, putting humanism into the idea of the non-binary and trans experience is what my duty is as um 
I continue to grow and glow in my own way. And I uh, implore people to always do the same. So anybody who come on my page, I want to root for you like a trinity, just like you're rooting for me. It's the idea that we in this together, if I eat, you eat, we all eat in. So I think that that to me is um, how you change the narrative instead of being like, oh, you're the one who's doing it or you're the only one doing it. In my head, it's like, Peter Parker, Ben Parker, with great power comes great responsibility. You know, it's like the idea that if you have been gifted with the ability to be able to speak or to, to tell a story or to help assist somebody in change, your job or your duty is to help push that narrative forward. And um, I'm going to utilize every inch of me to do that at all times. And I don't care who gets sick of the shit. I appreciate that so much. I know um, you you literally said it as I was thinking it, putting human like humanizing the trans experience again. Um, I feel like, uh, especially when it comes to like being multiply marginalized, people are going to look at you as an educational resource because you're like, oh, you have all of these boxes ticked. You can tell me about all three of them or something like that, and it's like not the case reminding people that we're still just people and we're not getting paid to educate all the time like your tiktok's free no one's paying for that service i don't think you're getting paid to make tiktoks um mm. but i th this this is going to tie into like your makeup and your you run your podcast own podcast makeup masterclass and like all this other stuff and i know this is going to be kind of a longer episode <laughs> so i'm prepared to go into it a little bit but the, like you have like the, these very real moments where you were talking about your self-worth recently um, on your TikTok, but like through your other social media, you have all these achievements that you've done, your your literal podcast that you're running, like the makeup you're doing and like you're, you're turning yourself into funny little characters. Like I literally saw the TikTok of you, you turned yourself into Shrek. <laughs> what, like in, in like it's, it's Shrek, nasty. Shrek, Shrek. <laughs> it's, it's, I hate Shrek. Um, <laughs> but the way you're mixing those in together, it, it, I obviously, cause I'm queer, I'm going to understand that it's just you having the TikTok page and also having to tell people who you are, um, explain because people are going to be dumbasses, but it is, it is so organic and genuine to you as a person that i'm always super happy when people mix in those things because it's like yeah you have to educate but putting that boundary in that you're not always an educator and that you're a human first is like so important for me to see when i'm like seeing queer content creators because i get i get burnt out looking at people who are only doing education <laughs> so i think i, I think it's just really important. I, I definitely think that um a lot of people First of all, in general, like, I want people to realize that's one of the reasons why I created the Lady Boy Diaries brand was because I wanted people to not marginalize me as an educator alone. I wanted people to understand that. Um, first of all, I got a bomb-ass personality. I think I'm pretty motherfucking cute. And I'm fucking talented. So I just happen to be somebody who's non-binary. And I think that because the non-binary is a conversation that is definitely necessary because that's the first thing people are, we are visual creatures. People see things first and then ingest information second. I, um, I have to be armed with knowing how to educate people because I want them to see me for my talents. So um, yes, when people meet me, the first thing that they obviously wanna know is, I say Skippy, what is this, this, and third? It almost becomes an elevator speech. Like, well, I am non-binary, but a lot of that's in the third. I don't mind educating you about that part. But also, like, bitch, I can sing here. Look at this. Here, boom, boom. Da, 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 da. Bitch, you want to book me? Because, like, it's giving, it's giving, bitch, I need money. So, like, what are you about to do? Because to me, it's, to me, it's the idea that I'm allowing myself to be um, all parts of myself, and I and I used to be told prior to me really coming to terms with who I am as a non-binary person that I had to limit myself, um, especially when I was working in the corporate world, like I was working a, a social worker, and I kid you not, like I was told by one of my supervisors, pulled me in office one day and was like, you are so great. People really like you, your personality, the clients is in love with you. Can I give you some advice? And I'm like, young and green, I'm like, 
yeah, of course. Can you edit it down? Can you just change it a little bit? And I was so, I was so taken aback because in my head, you just told me all of these things about me that you thought was great. And you're telling me to edit myself down. And I said, well, what do you mean? Because I want to hear him say it out of his mouth. And he was like, well, I just think that you um, would come across more appealing to other people or you, because there are some people who don't know or don't understand, you know, this. And But I know that. And I said, but you didn't, first of all, I wasn't hired to be likable to everybody. I was hired to be likable to the marginalized people that I am serving. Secondly, this is who I am and I can't edit myself for the sake of you or anybody else. I do appreciate that you asked me um, instead of just trying to tell me though, but that would be a no. And also, I think that is, it's, it's probably the rudest thing in the world to go and ask somebody to change themselves. And this person just so happened to be Black and I don't know if any of y'all know or have had this uh, experience in any kind of way, but like when a black, when an older black person comes to somebody else who identifies as black, they do this, we had this conversation thing where they'd be like, you know, you got to do this because of, and then they point at their skin and they'd be like, did you know? What the fuck is this? I don't know. What is this? What does that mean? Pigment? Like, I get it. But the reality of it is, is that I'm fucking powerful. Period. I am non-binary for me. Before I even realized it, while I was just still trying to have this conversation when I was trying to explain it, but now I know perfectly how to say it. Non-binary for me is not just a gender identity. It is a lifestyle. There is no cap on what I'm capable of doing. I am an unlimited being. And my goal is to make other people realize that same thing. We do not have a fucking cap on who we are. We do what we want to do, how we want to do it, and when we want to do it in the way that in which it comes most natural. And you are to be... You are to be, um, you are to be applauded of yourself for who you are and be your biggest fan yourself of who you are. And then if anything else outside that comes, it is dope, it's nice, but it was not what you were looking for. It's just added extra. And I, I really, I really am so, I don't know. When I think back to some of those moments and I think about how that happened to me, it makes me really realize, like, yeah, like before you even knew what it was that you were wanting to convey, you were conveying it. And I just want people to just feel that power. Like, I want people to know like that we don't fucking walk, we float. Like that's the reality of who we are as people, as humans. And we're evolving just like everything else. Technology evolves. Um, social media has evolved. Like they think, people think that humans don't evolve. Like that shit is weird to me. Like we are, we're fucking humans. We're the next step in evolution. <laughs> you know, like shit, get into the gig. So I think that to me, um, when those moments happen, of, of people trying to come to learn from me. I have no problem teaching. I have a problem with people who are not being receptive. I could tell when you're trying to learn versus when you're just literally just sitting here being like, um, you know, funny or condescending or just trying to like play on me because you think that I'm a freak or you think that I'm weird. Um, because then you're about to get these hands. Cause what the fuck? No, I'm just playing. Well, yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, you got it. Um, I think that's one thing people forget is that trans people are not a monolith and a lot of us have pretty okay social skills we can we understand when you're not being intentionally disrespectful <laughs> but like absolutely telling somebody to tone it down after telling them that that everyone loves them without and then you want them to change something uh, um not obviously mean or on black but i think it is a very common experience where older black folks will I don't want to say play up their blackness, be like, okay, because this is like played up so high, you have to tone everything else down. I think that is an, an experience that I see a lot. Um, but I mean, obviously there's a lot more nuance that has to go into that. But like, I don't think you have to play yourself down in any way. Everyone's mm. going to see you for who you are. And if they need you to play it down, they just need to close their eyes. <laughs> close your eyes. Just do not look. <laughs> but I can change this shit. I love you exactly for who you are. I love you so much. <laughs> Ditto. Dip to motherfucking O. <laughs> Alrighty. I think we're going to close it up there. Because um, we are approaching our second 40-minute timer. Um, I want to say, th again, thank you so much for coming on speaking with us. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing how you feel like your 
making history. And I hope that you continue to make history. And I want to see you in our local news. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm so mm -hmm. proud of that. I think local news is so funny. It's so it's such like a like a like a an amazing like lower tier achievement that like I'm blown away by. <laughs> it's not even like lower tier like it's like less worth, but it's like a lower scale, like a smaller scale. Yeah, yeah. but like. National news now. National news. I want you on national news. <laughs> um, one of these days, Ty. One of these, one days. Of these days, tomorrow. Uh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> today. Say, yeah, today, actually, after this, we have a booking. No. Um, thank you so much. Uh, and I guess share where we can reach you. Uh, anywhere. Anything you want to plug, just let us know. Right here. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank y'all for letting me be here and share this uh, voice and speaker head with y'all. Like y'all are super duper dope. I love what y'all are doing and I love that y'all are continuously allowing to push the narrative of humanizing the uh, non-binary and trans experience and just the queer experience in overall. And I'm just excited and I hope that y'all will have me back one day soon. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. We I know we're not even halfway through the second season, but I'm already looking to third. Season, <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Alrighty, and then um, you can find us at our normal podcasting accounts. Uh, it's into the studio for Instagram and into, into underscore the studio for Twitter, or is that backwards? Is that backwards? It? Instagram is into underscore uh. this studio, <laughs> <laughs> and into the studio is Twitter. Yeah, okay, so I backed I backed it up again. Um, and we can find our friend here, Rio, at uh at period podcasting, which is period with a T and then Ladyboy Beauty, and then also your regular Instagram, I think it's just your name, right? All so my guys aside from um Ladyboy Diaries, mm -hmm. which is Ladyboy Diaries Inc., which is my main page for all things centering around my brand as itself and the period podcasting to keep up with new episodes, which will be preparing the beginning of next, I mean, the end of next month. And yes. on all other platforms. Sweet. Ooh. Alrighty. And then we'll close out here. All right. Thank you. Bye. 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 Stuff like that, let me know that the mission is so much bigger. <laughs>